Okay, good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you back. This is great. I mean, y'all have been here the whole time, so that's, that's been great, too. But we've had a lot of surgeries and health things, and people have just kind of been out, and it's really good to see all of you back all together. We missed you all. Uh, I'm Matt, and uh, I am the facilitator of discussion today, as Jeff would say. Um, and today we're going to be talking about part two. This is, um, I am human, don't hate me. And I really, really like this series because I think it really highlights so much of, of what's going on in our world, in our life. And we have this election season, which uh, I personally hate. I really don't like it. Uh, you know, it's a... Uh, you get the commercials on the radio, the TV, your phone, you get in text messages, and it's, you know, it's uh, no fun. No fun, but it's also really important. But what, what I, I think we see during this period of time and um, during this season is a lot of hatred. People believe very, very strongly what they believe. And if you don't believe them, if you don't believe what they believe, they don't like you. Uh, and and the, the not liking... You know, it depends on which person, how, how high the level of not like is. But I think for a lot of people, it, it turns into hatred. Um, and it becomes really easy to hate the whole other side, right? Because that's not a person. If you just had to hate one person, that might be a little bit more difficult. But you can hate the whole side, right? You can hate the whole party or the whole movement or the whole um, following of an individual, or, or idea. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about today is hatred for other things that aren't what you believe. And so the title of this one is uh, Religious Bigotry. And um, I want to take a second here. There's a, there's a slide here, and it has all these symbols on there. Now, there was a, a certain point in my life where if I saw all those symbols, my eyes would immediately be drawn to the ones I like, and I would immediately have fear and concern and loathing for the other ones, all the other symbols on that, on that screen right there. And I'm going to go ahead and use my, uh, my laser pointer. I brought this because it feels, feels powerful. Now, if you're on the live stream, you won't be able to see the laser pointer. I apologize. Um, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and for the people here. With kitties, yeah, you can move the cat. <laughs> Yeah, with kitties, it is powerful as well. Okay, so, uh, and I apologize, i got to turn my back to the camera here so I can see what I'm doing. But um, these first couple here, we definitely know what those are. That's Christianity and, and Judaism. Uh, and then we have the third one there. Anybody know what that is? It's Islam, yeah. It's, yeah, and the... Uh, well, in Russia, it's very similar, but I think it's a hammer and a, a sickle. In, it's inside the moon, but it's very similar to that. Um, <clears throat> and the, the next one, probably even fewer of you know this one. It's a firework, says Jeff. Okay. Okay, it's a wow. It's a, it's a bam from Batman. It's a bam. Okay. Okay. No, it's, it's actually... It's Baha'i. Uh, yeah, so there's a very large, large, large group of people that believe the Baha'i religion. Um, how about this one, the, the one, first one in the next row there? Led Zeppelin. Oh, man. <laughs> is that a religious belief? I think for some people it probably is. It, uh, it's Hinduism. Yeah, so that's Hindu. Uh, it's interesting because some of these are very, very, very large religions. Uh, Hinduism has over 1.2 billion uh, followers, and nobody really knew what that was, right? It's surprising. Yeah, and it's, it's familiar, but we don't necessarily know because we, we focus on what we know, right? And the same thing that I, I was saying, if, I, if you had shown me this when I was in my 20s, I would have been like, that one's good, that one's good, the rest are bad, right? Okay, so let's keep going. Uh, how about this one? Yin and yang. Yeah, it's actually um, Taoism. So, yeah, yeah, and it's, uh, it's interesting. There's a quite a few of these that are uh, branches of each other. 
and they have very similar ideals. Uh, the next one there is not a Nazi swastika. Uh, I believe that the Nazis actually stole this from, uh, it's called Jain, Jainism. Uh, J-A-I-N, Jainism. And there's actually two of those. Uh, they have two different symbols on here, and I'm not sure why, but those are both Jainism. And that is, it came out of um, Buddhism, and it has a mix of Hinduism as well. So kind of the Eastern. Uh, let's see, how about this one here? It's a pirate, pirate religion. Um, hey, I just remembered. Can you text Michael the link to this? Thanks from my phone. Oh. Okay. Um, so that one is actually little known religion called Buddhism. Yeah. That's the Wheel of Dharma. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, this one here, I doubt anyone knows it. I have had an interaction with that religion, so I know of the religion, but I did not know that was their symbol. They are the Sikhs. Yeah, a, a very large group of believers in India and the Middle East. Uh, no, that's giant Jain, Jainism. Okay, how about this one? Shin, Shintoism. Yeah, Shintoism. Uh, this one again is uh, Hebrew, uh, Judaism. Um, again, I'm not going to go through the rest of these. This one, this one is uh, pagan or witchcraft. Uh, this one is, um, it, well, it's uh, atheism. You know, it's, it's the symbol of the atom, so it kind of makes sense. It's science. Uh, and then you have paganism, that one there. So we have all these religions, and when you think of religions of the world, one of the things that comes to mind pretty quickly is hate, war, um, destruction, right? We, we very rarely think of other religions and immediately think of great things, right? Uh, one of the, um, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and volunteer that my entire life I have been a raging bigot. Um, and religious bigotry is the title of this. And the reason that it's that, uh, we throw that word bigotry around or you hear it a lot, right? You're like, oh, that that person is a bigot if they don't like this, what I believe, and that person is a bigot if. And so we kind of throw it around, and I want to actually define it um, in terms of what, what is bigotry, especially in relationship to religion and what you believe. So uh, the next slide there, Jeff. So a bigot is a person. Sorry, I have this on my screen here. I just had to bring it up. Um, is a person who has a strong, unreasonable beliefs and who does not like other people who have different beliefs or a different way of life. And that is me, this guy right here. My entire life, I have been a raging bigot. Um, and it's, it has a really intense negative connotation, obviously, because you don't like other people who have different beliefs, and you think everyone should believe and live the way that you do. But doesn't that kind of define all of us? In most cases, right? We have this... Yeah, we, we want other people to believe what we believe uh, for a lot of reasons, right? At least when I was growing up, the reason was I didn't want people to go to hell, so I had to convince them that they had to believe what I believed because I was the only one who had the right belief, and everything else was false, and if you believed false things, then you were going to go to hell. And so that was a, a positive reason, but it didn't mean it wasn't still bigotry, right? Um, I think... Other reasons are like you want self-validation. You want people to believe what you believe because that makes you feel like what you believe is more strong, more important. If other people also believe that, you have support, right? Uh, we can throw out statistics and say Christianity is the largest religion in the world. 1.5 billion people believe in Christianity. Some, some uh, estimates would say 2 billion believe Christianity. Whereas we're like 1.5 or 1.8 billion believe in Islam and 1.2 uh, are Hindu. And so we're winning. We're winning. Our religion's better. We're winning. Um, and it creates this, this um, us versus them, right? 
And we have all of these religions, and the message today is, I'm human, don't hate me, right? So obviously we're going to go in and and jump into all of these religions and talk about um, how likely we are to hate them or how likely they are to hate us. Well, actually what I first want to do is I want to start off with Christianity. I want to start off in our own religion and talk about how, even though it may be two billion people who believe in Christianity, we are not two billion strong. Um, so let's take a look at that chart uh, that shows all the breakdown. Basically, early from early Christianity, um, you've got uh, the early believers, and that was the disciples of Jesus, and they were going from town to town in the Roman Empire, and they were uh, telling people about this good news, and it was spreading like wildfire, and uh, there, it was spreading so fast, and it was so popular that a lot of the emperors of that time in the Roman Empire decided that it was a problem, and that they needed to squash it, and they needed to kill the Christians, and they needed to get rid of them. Uh, also, <clears throat> a little bit later on in that early church time, uh, the Christians started to become more influential, and they would, uh, because they lived moral lives, it made the emperor look bad because the emperor was generally not living a moral life. And so they made enemies, and, but they were strong, and they grew very quickly. And they grew because they were sharing life with each other, they were living with each other, they were working through problems, and guess what? They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the Bible to talk about. They were just living by the example of Christ and by the teachings of his followers. And so that was kind of cool, right? But eventually, what happened is you, you would have these councils where people would come together and they'd say, over, over in this city, we believe this, and over in that city, we believe that. And so they would send their religious leaders to meet together, and they did this uh, quite often. But once in a while, they wouldn't be able to agree on what they believed, and so they would go separate ways, and they would actually split up. And so we see these divisions in the... You can go ahead and leave that up there, Jeff. Um, and it's really hard, really small. Um, so I realized that it was supposed to be bigger. Some of the, when it transferred over, some of the fonts got smaller. So you can't read this, and I'll read it for you. Uh, early Christians divides Roman Catholic, and these are very broad divisions. I know there were a lot more than this, but uh, you've got the Egyptian Coptic, also known as the Assyrian Christians. Um, you've got the Roman Catholics, and you've got the Eastern Orthodox. And all of those split sometime in the early um, AD, 300s, 400s, 500s AD. They kind of split and went their separate ways. And from the Roman Catholic Church, I mean, you can see the Ethiopian Christians came out of the Egyptian Coptic, and you can see that the Greek Orthodox and the Russian Orthodox came out of the Eastern Orthodox. And they kind of have stayed the same. They have a very strong tradition um, and now, I've never actually been to a Greek Orthodox or a Russian Orthodox church, um, and I would actually be very interested in doing that. But the one that we're familiar with, the Roman Catholic Church, eventually became the Protestant Church because the Roman Catholic Church had a lot of control in people's lives, and people didn't like that. Eventually, they, they broke off and they became Protestants. That's where the name Protestant comes from. They're protesting, yes. <laughs> the Roman Catholic Church had strayed away from the message of Jesus. It had become a control structure, and so they, they separated, and they did what they believed at the time was right, and it's us versus them, and man, oh man, each time that you see one of these breaks here, in many cases, there was a very hostile, bloody, in some cases, violent separation people being murdered, inquisitions, um, people being burned at the stake. All of that kind of stuff happened in all of these, each time there was a separation. And then you can see the Protestants here, again, there are all these different separations within the Protestants, right? Because the Protestants separated from the Catholic Church because they didn't believe that was right. And then each of those, each time that happened, another person would come along, usually an individual. So you've got the, the Lutherans after Martin Luther, um, yeah, okay. And then, so we've got Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Evangelicals, and what's that say? Does that say Mormons? Wait a minute. This is under Protestant Christians. Are Mormons Protestant Christians? 
We got more. Okay, we'll come back to Mormons. We'll come back to Mormons. Fine, we'll call them Christians for now. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm doing this tongue-in-cheek. I'm not, I'm not actually trying to disparage Mormons. Um, but they are. They are a sect of the Christian church, just like, just like the Baptist, right? We separated. We believe this. Um, and at the core is Jesus, right? So that's what makes you a Christian, I think, at the core. And we have all these. And so my goal here is not to identify which ones are right and which ones are wrong, and because that's, that's kind of what makes me a bigot, right? <laughs> and so really the goal here is just to show you that all of these divisions in the church have happened, and by the way, these are just the main ones. I think we could, Pentecostal, um, there's, a, there's a bunch, Church of Christ, Seventh-day Adventist, uh, Assemblies of God. You could go on and on and on with all the different divisions within the Christian church. And you think about why, why, oh, why, why, oh, why do we need all of those different divisions? And so I want to, I want to bring in a scripture verse that is what I believe the basis of all of that upheaval, all of the divisions within Christianity, because two billion people don't believe the same thing, not even close. Um, and so there's this loose classification of Christianity. And the verse that I think has caused so much of this is <clears throat> Matthew. All right. Matthew. Is it 15? It's cut off on my screen here. 18, 15 through 18. All right. So, and we're actually not going to use 18, but start in verse 15 and 16. If your brother sins, have you heard this verse before? Thank you. Okay. If, you're, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen, you have won them over. Cool. All right. Pretty easy to do. See your brother or sister in sin. Hey, your life is out of whack. You're sinning. I think you should stop doing that. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that it that every matter may be established by a testimony of two to three witnesses. So now you've got, bring some people along. Hey, hey brother, we're concerned. We see this sin in your life, and we think you need to change it. Mm, no, this isn't sin. Uh, and what happens if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if they don't listen then? Brother or sister don't listen. What's next? Do we know? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> you take it to the church, right? And you, you say, okay, we're going to make this public because you're not listening to us, and we're going to take you before the church, and if you won't listen still, then have nothing to do with them, some, some scriptures say, right? Uh, but what this scripture says, so show me uh, 17, verse 17 up there. If they still refuse to listen... Tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Get out, pagan. Get out, tax collector, because that is what we do in the church, right? Get out, sinner. So, um, this, I have heard people quote this verse to me when questioning my personal decisions, uh, and I'm certain that at some point in my life, I justified stopping talking to someone or stopping being friends with someone because of this verse. And it's not just personal relationships that are damaged, it's entire groups, right? We have all these splits. I have been part of at least three different church splits in my life where the disagreement was so strong that people just went their separate ways and wouldn't talk to each other anymore. And it's all based on this concept of I can't, I can't tolerate you living in sin. I can't tolerate you believing something different than what I believe. Now, there's a... Um, th this, this actually gets really vicious within Christian circles. Um, there, I was just researching a little bit of this, and I came across a pastor... Um, and I won't say the pastor's name, but the pastor is, whew, man, I had a hard time even watching videos of the pastor preaching. There was just this hubris, this arrogance coming off of this person, um, pointing to one scripture and just hammering it and saying, this is why we can't allow this 
group of people in our church. This is why we need to shun that church. That church that accepts LGBTQ, we need to shun them. We need to, we need to tell them. Actually referring to a church as a church of Satan because they accept LGBTQ people in their community. And that's the kind of stuff that we have out here. Um, so here's a, this is a, uh, a blog written about this by Randall Rouser. Um, sometimes Christians take on a moral issue which other Christians believe is so radically counter to the call of Scripture and Christian discipleship that they can no longer share, commun- or show, share common Christian fellowship. And on to the next one. So this is all written about this, this uh, pastor who is preaching against churches that accept LGBTQ. I thought of this the other day as I was listening to a recent address from, well, it, it says the name in here, <laughs> Reformed Baptist apologist James White. Uh, and James White does, he gets up and does debates, so he'll get in front of uh, a whole congregation with another pastor who doesn't believe what he does, and they, they debate. Um, who, provoca- who provocatively denounced a pro-gay metropolitan community church as a church of Satan. While White didn't unpack all of the implications in the incisive rhetoric barb, uh, or rhetorical barb, I took, it, I took the main point to be unequivocal. Christians ought not to share fellowship with members of that church, MCC. And in uh, James White's sermon, pointed to this verse, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 9, through 11. When I wrote you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sins or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. That makes sense, right? I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. It goes on and on. Don't even eat with such people. Now, the problem with this advice, according to um, Randall Rouser, the problem with the advice that is given by Paul here is that Paul doesn't specify to what extent, right? Um, so Paul be, begins with the fact, uh, you know, he doesn't specify how greedy is too much. How much of a drink, how much drinking makes you a drunkard? Um, and how much does someone have to drink or lie or cheat or uh, live in sexual immorality before you're going to cut them off? If you go back and you listen to what Jesus said, if you even think the thought in your head, you've already committed adultery. Is there anybody in here that never thought the thought in their head? Not me. So you shouldn't be having lunch with me this afternoon. Sorry. Um, In fact, I think that if you're going to look on a continuum of any sin whatsoever, if you're going to say sexual sin, if you're going to say abuse of someone else, is calling someone else a name? Is that abuse? If I'm in my car saying things to other people in other cars... (laughs) (laughs) Jeff's waving hallelujah back there. (laughs) So the point is, at what point do you cut that person off and say, you're no longer welcome in this community? And who gets to be the judge? And so it's a difficult thing, and people will use those types of verses to shun people that believe very similar Beliefs have very similar core values, but they will cut them out and they will shun them and they will kick them out of their church. They will divide churches. Uh, And here we are in a place where we all hate each other. And I think I'm at a place now in my life where I don't hate people in other Christian denominations. And that's that's really great. Uh, I think there were times where I was, I would be going to an evangelical free church and I would drive by a Presbyterian church and go, they don't know what's up. And now I look at Evangelical Free and I say, 
They don't know what's up, right? And so we have this, this belief that what we believe is more valuable than what you believe, and it creates this division and hatred. I want to go back to the, uh, the definition of bigotry. What is a bigot? A person who has a strong, unreasonable beliefs and who does not like other people who have different beliefs or a different way of life. I think with the grace of God over the last few years and under the teaching of Jeff, a lot of the stuff that I've learned, I've started to, to be more accepting of people regardless of what they believe. I think within the church is maybe the hardest place for me because I see a lot of hypocrisy and I see a lot of hurt and I see a lot of people that are very arrogant prideful telling you that what you believe is wrong and what they believe is right and so that to me is much more difficult um i want to go back to the verse the verse that i used previously to show you why it's okay to kick people out of your church and i want to i want to read it to you from a different interpretation a different translation this is the english um i think english common english uh, translation. And there are a couple of things that I've highlighted in yellow that very small difference, but very, 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 very important and very different in the outcome. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and correct them when you are alone together. If they listen, then you have won over your brother or sister. How different is it for someone to sin against you than it is for someone to sin. We have completely changed the narrative right now because the only time I'm to go and confront you is if you have done something that personally has hurt me. That's a completely different message. But if they won't listen, take, uh, take with you one or two others so that Every word may be established by the mouth or two of two or three witnesses. But if they still won't pay attention, report it to the church. If they won't pay attention even to the church, then treat them as a Gentile. Previously it said a pagan. A Gentile or a tax collector. And I have to think that when Jesus was saying this, there was a smirk on his face. Because how did Jesus treat tax collectors? How did Jesus treat the Gentiles? Every time I've ever heard this verse in my life, I took away what you took away. Kick them out of the church. Have nothing to do with them. Do away with them. Because that's what I was always taught. But it doesn't say kick them out of your church, and it doesn't say to do away with them. It says treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. Let's take a look at what Jesus does uh, with tax collectors and Gentiles. All right, I'm, I need to, let's see, this does, it's cutting off the top. Oh, there we go. All right, Mark 2, 15 through 17. Later, he was having dinner at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were also eating with Jesus. He's having dinner with them. Didn't kick him out of his church. Um, we're also eating with Jesus and his disciples because there were many who were following him. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he told them, healthy people don't need a physician, but sick ones do. I did not come to call the righteous people, but the sinners. So when Jesus says, treat someone who is living in, in sin, well, or even someone who sinned against you as a Gentile or a tax collector, he's saying, go have dinner with them. The next verse, uh, Mark 2.14. While he was walking along, he saw a man named Levi, son of Alphaeus, uh, sitting in a tax collector's booth. He's a tax collector. And Jesus said, what? Follow me. Not get out of my church. Follow me. And he stood up and he followed Jesus. Pretty cool. 
a man named Nicodemus was there. I'm just going to keep piling on here, this story after story. What did Jesus do with the tax collectors? He was the director of the tax collectors, the worst, the very worst, not just a tax collector, but he was the director. Um, and let's see, he was very rich. He tried to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but Zacchaeus was a small man, so he couldn't see because Jesus was in the crowd. So Zacchaeus ran ahead and he climbed up a fig tree to see Jesus, who was coming that way. When Jesus came to the tree, he looked up and he said, Hey, Zacchaeus, I know who you are. You're a filthy tax collector and a cheat. And not only that, you're the director of all the other filthy, cheaty tax collectors. Come down, I'm going to go to your house today. And Zacchaeus came down and he was glad to welcome Jesus into his home. All right, so that's how Jesus treats tax collectors, right? So can't you just see Jesus in the... By the way, he said this in Matthew 18, so most likely he had already dealt with a few tax collectors along the way, tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and uh, all the other people. And so when he's saying this, treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector, I think he was saying that going, have you been paying attention? But almost every time I've ever heard that verse, in fact, every time I've ever heard that verse, it was always used as a way to expel people, to exclude them. Uh, let's see. Oh, more tax collectors. Some tax collectors came to be baptized. They asked, uh, they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He told them, don't collect any more money than you were ordered to collect. One of the things I think is really cool about this is he didn't go and say, you need to repent for all of the people you've wronged. He didn't say, get down on your knees and grovel, go back and apologize to everybody. He just said, stop doing it. Stop cheating people. Jesus wasn't interested in making people feel guilty. And that's pretty interesting. Where if, you, if someone sins against you, our first instinct is to try and make them feel bad about it, right? Um, so again, treating people like a tax collector is not necessarily making them feel guilty about what they've done, but just asking them not to do that destructive behavior anymore. All right, now Gentiles. Uh, Acts uh, 15, 7 through 9, brothers, you know in the early days God made a choice among you that by the mouth of the Gentiles, should, er, uh, <laughs> that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the words of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. So if we're to treat people like a Gentile, and I think Gentile back then it was everybody outside of our group, right? And so now we're talking about everybody outside of Christianity, everybody outside of our belief system. Um... He makes no distinction because he has cleansed their heart with, by faith. And one more. In John uh, 10, 16, and I, have, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So much of the time when I was growing up, and trying to convince people to believe what I believed in my own bigotry. It was because I thought I needed to bring people to Jesus. It was my job to bring people to Jesus. But Jesus says here, I have other sheep, and I must bring them. So our job is not to go and convince people that they're wrong. Our job is to show Christ, and God can do the rest. We don't need, that's not our job. That's not what we need to do. I want to go back now from Christianity into world religions um, because I think that this, this idea of what is your actual job and obligation when dealing with people who don't believe the same thing as you uh, is really important. It's really important within Christianity because what I've seen in the last um, three or four years, how long have we been? here. Um, I've seen a lot of people hear a message that is radical. It's scandalous. And a lot of them have left. A lot of them have decided that's too much for me. 
I don't believe that because it's not the way that I was raised. It's not the way that I learned Christianity and I can't give up certain things and so I'm going to leave. And I think that that is, while God has a purpose in everything, it's very damaging when you think that your beliefs are so important that you're going to give up communion, give up uh, community. And it's been very difficult, I'm not going to lie about that, I mean much more so for Jeff and Nina, but it's been hard for us too, just to kind of see person after person going their own way because whatever was said was a little too much for them. And we feel like we have this need that everybody around us agrees with us and everybody around us believes the same message that we have. And um, it's why I think this message is really important. Even if it doesn't rise to the level of hate, there is so much damage that is done by ostracizing people, by, by, by religious bigotry, what I believe is more important than what you believe, and I'm going to separate myself from you. Um, the first one, Catholic Church. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because our denominations, all of the things that I believed growing up came out of the Catholic Church, but I was raised to believe that Catholics weren't Christians. They were a Christi- Christian sect or a Christian cult, but they were they had strayed, and they were not believing what, what Christ actually believed. I had a teacher in high school, I went to a Christian school, and I had a teacher who said, I think secretly Mother Teresa is a Christian, and I think that because of her good, that what she really does in secret, I think she's going to be in heaven with us. And I believed that because I was a teenager, and I was like, okay, yeah, she's a Catholic, she's <laughs> uh, which it might as well have been a pagan belief as far as I was concerned. Um, and now I look and I think Catholics are Christians. They believe in Christ. And yeah, maybe they do some things like uh, rosaries and, and, and penance and all of that stuff that we think isn't accurate or um, what Christ intended, but it doesn't matter. Um, the next one is uh, Mormonism. So we've got the, the statue on the, the temple in, in Salt Lake City. And man, oh man, I was hard on Mormons growing up. It was, they were a cult. Um, there was no redeeming value. They were liars. They would come to your door and try and deceive you into believing what they believed. Meanwhile, I was going to other countries and trying to make people believe what I believed. <laughs> the hypocrisy was rich. Um, and I, I was uh, teaching at a school, a Christian school in, in uh, South Denver, and there was a, a Mormon family, a really great family. They had seven kids. All seven kids came through the school, and each of the kids was just a really, really great kid. They had such a strong family bond. They, uh, the, the kids, even though they were in different classes, they would eat lunch together. They would... Um, And I remember at one point thinking, it's a shame that they're Mormons because they really are a lot like Christians. (laughs) And I remember being a little bit envious of their family and how much they cared about each other and that that strength of family structure. Um, And in my bigotry, I couldn't believe that those people were going to go to heaven because I thought, they're not believing in the real Christ. They're believing in some, uh, what I would have classified as a, as a, a young person, as a, a, a demonic twist, a demonic perversion of Christianity. And it's interesting that each religion that we, we believe there's something wrong with that religion or that religion or those people are living in darkness We believe that there's nothing redeeming, but in each religion, you can go and look at all the major religions of the world, and there is godly truth in each one of them. The Mormon family structure is godly. The Mormon community structure is godly. And whatever else they believe may be crazy. I don't know. 
might not be what I believe, but there is truth, and all truth is God's truth. It doesn't matter where you find it. All of it. Uh, the next one here, um, this one I've always had a really, really hard time with. Uh, next one up there, Jeff. Wicca. Witchcraft. And um, my goodness, uh, all of the things that I had to shun growing up because there was something about it that was witchcraft, uh, Harry Potter. We weren't allowed to watch Harry Potter or read the books. Um, you know, there were even times where we were, we were the Smurfs. We weren't allowed to watch the Smurfs. Uh, uh, even we had to boycott Disney because, um, and, and I'm sure that there are, I'm sure you all know this, like the, 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 the witch in the Snow White and the witch in the other one, and it's like, we had to boycott Disney because of that. And I, I don't know that much about Wicca, um, but I have a lot of friends all of a sudden that are witches, like just people that I work with, people that I'm friends with, that are, they believe in, in Wicca, they are Wiccan. And I did a little research for this because I don't really know that much about it, but one of the, uh, the principle, the found foundational principles of Wicca is do no harm to others. And I didn't know that. They believe in karma. They believe in doing good to others because that's what comes back to you. They believe in it as a, in, a, in a natural, spiritual sense. And when I read that, I thought, I kind of believe that too. <laughs> I believe that there is an underlying spirituality in the universe and in the world that when you put out negativity and you put out evil and you put out hurt, that's what comes back to you. And so all of these things that we, we are coming across, the next one, Islam. Um, man, I was, a, I was a, in a discipleship training school with YWAM. And this guy came and he was talking about religions of the world because after all, our goal was to go to South America and save everybody's soul. Um, and so this guy came to our, our school and he was talking about the major religions of the world and he said, um, Islam is the strongest and the darkest of the world religions. And I believed that. Not knowing anything about Islam, um, except what I saw in the news that uh, Gaddafi had bombed uh, <laughs> a neighboring country and a whole bunch of terrorist attacks were going on in Lebanon. And uh, man, growing up, it was just constant, constantly in the news. The, the Shiite Muslims were, were blowing up uh, a temple of somebody else. Uh, they, were, they were killing the Jews. And then 9-11 then happens, right? And you have all of this, oh man, this extremism, this fundamental Islamic behavior where their, their goal in life is to kill me. But that's not all of Islam. Those are radicals. And guess what? Do we have any radicals in Christianity? Do we have people that are bombing abortion clinics? Do we have people that are blowing up federal buildings in the name of Christ? We do. And at the core of Islam, one of the things that I think is really um, surprising, this is something that I learned a while back, um, they actually, in the Quran, it tells them to respect Christians. They view Jesus and John and Noah and Moses, they view them as prophets. And they're classified. And there are only, I think there are only 25 prophets in the Islamic religion. And many of them are from Judaism or Christianity, including Jesus. They believe Jesus was a prophet and a good man. Uh, and also, they, in the Quran, it tells them to make peace with the Christian brothers. And so we're referred to as brothers. And those are things that we don't hear about. We just hear them versus us and us versus them and bombings and terrorism and, and there is good. And all, all truth is God's truth. And then one, a couple more here. Uh, the next one is uh, 
Hinduism, and I had the, the privilege to go to India, which was really an amazing experience. And Hinduism, culturally, is, is very... I want to be careful what I say. Um, I saw a lot of oppression because of the religion. Uh, I saw a lot of people that were in destitute poverty because they believed that they were born in this caste and that's where they belonged and they weren't allowed to escape from that. And so they had to live their entire life in a slum without running water, uh, without the ability to get a job or education. And so those are the types of things that are very difficult. But the people are very, very caring and they care about each other. And that's again, it's another one of those things where we take a whole group and we say, Hinduism, right? It's darkness. Uh, we actually went to a temple of Shiva on that trip to India, and they were sacrificing goats, and we were able to witness uh, an animal sacrifice. And it was one of the darker things that I've experienced in my life. Um, I felt horrible. I felt dark. I felt like a heavy weight on me. But at the end of the day, when those people walk out of the temple, they're humans like us. And they're trying the best to live their life. And they may be in a, in a, in a religion that is oppressive to them. And it, they may be in a belief structure that they believe that's what they have to do so that in, in their next lifetime, they can come back in a better caste system. But that's not a reason to hate them. And one more. The Sikhs. We went to a Sikh uh, worship service, and it blew my mind because it was almost exactly like a Christian worship service. And the guy that um, was in charge of all the humanitarian trips that we did, um, he kind of organized this, and he met us in Calcutta this day that we went to the Sikh um, worship service. And it was very much like a Christian work worship service, except they were wearing turbans because the Sikhs wear turbans. And they were so nice afterwards. And then I started reading about Sikhs after that time, and I started studying what they do, and they are a philanthropic religion. They take care of everyone who is poor, and that is their goal. That's like almost the entire goal, and I have no idea. I had no idea what a Sikh was before I went there. I didn't know that they did that. I didn't know they believed that. But here's me in the United States believing that what I believe is the only thing that's right and I have to convince everybody else of that. Uh, and if you don't believe what I believe, I'm going to hate you. And I'm going to shun you. And I'm going to cast you aside. Um, I want to finish up with this. I want to be really clear. I don't believe that all religions lead to God. I don't believe that all, um, all deities are the same God and that this religion or that religion or that one or this one, you're all, you're worshiping the same whatever it is, you know, power. Some people believe it's an energy, what we would call God, Yahweh. I don't believe that because I've seen enough darkness in religion to know that there is, there is something other than God in, in many religions. And so I am not someone who believes that all religions lead to God. But what I do believe is that God can find you in any religion. And that every single person is on a journey with God, regardless of where they are. It doesn't matter if they're an atheist or a Satanist or a witch or a Muslim or a Hindu. They have a relationship with God even if they don't know that they do. And I think that what we do when we go out and we try and push our belief system on someone else as a, requ a requirement to, or to commune with them, to be their friend, to be there um, in their community and to love them, we're doing so much damage to that relationship that they already have with God because God doesn't need you to draw people to him. And I think that the most valuable thing that you can do is love everybody. And that more than anything that you can say is going to bring people to God, regardless of their belief structure, regardless of anything 
that we believe about our religion versus that religion, regardless of what we believe about our behavior versus your behavior, loving people is going to draw them to God more than anything else you can do or say. And there's a few verses, verses I want to I finish up with here. Acts 10, 28. And he said to them, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. In Acts 10, 35, or 34 and 35, Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to. I think something got cut off. Welcome to. (laughs) All right, and then finally in Colossians 3.11, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free man, but Christ is all and in all. It blows my mind that for my entire life that was never preached to me. I heard a lot of messages about shunning people Heard a lot of messages about getting sin out from your midst. But I never heard anybody say, Christ is in every single person. So I'm going to go ahead and close up now. Um, Announcements, I think, are next. Prayer and announcements. Okay. Um... This series is really something I'm really passionate about because I feel like I've done a lot of damage in my life being a bigot. Um, And while I I don't think I ever would have classified what I felt towards other people as hate, I think that's probably what they felt. They felt rejection from me, for sure. Um, I certainly did not treat people who believed other things the same way that I would treat someone who believed what I believed. And I have to repent of that. And repent just means reorienting your mind. Metaneo? I've been listening. So, Father, we thank you for um, this group of people. Thank you for our people that have uh, made it back. It's good to see everybody again. I pray that this message would sink in that the message that you have given to this church and this gathering it would spread that love and acceptance is so important in showing people who you are and you pray we pray that you would continue to give us revelation down this path that we're traveling. And continue, continue to guide us and show us your truth wherever it may be found. Amen.